0: Everyone and welcome to our new Jet Fuel podcast. Today we will provide an overview of our new U.S. West Coast Sustainable Aviation Fuel Assessment and discuss some key factors that contribute to the growing importance of uh, these assessments. Um, the podcast episode is brought to you by Argus Media, which is a leading independent provider of energy and commodity information. My name is Louise Burke, and I'm the Vice President of Aviation here at Argus, and with me today is Jessica Dell, our West Coast Bureau Chief, and Xander Capozzola, our America's biofuel editor and global jet fuel editor.
1: Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening.
0: Good morning. Great. So I'm going to kick off our discussion. So we know that a commitment to a green agenda really continues across the globe, through decarbonization efforts by airlines, incentive programs and government mandates. You know, we see in Europe that there's new energy directives issued by the European countries, particularly in Scandinavia. We see new volumetric mandates there. Um, We see Norway first, and then Sweden's uh, uh, mandates taking effect in 2021. And we see um, volumetric mandates across the board, um, countries like France, Germany, and the UK. In Asia, we also have recently seen that China, Japan, and South Korea have set really ambitious decarbonization targets as well in the past two months. And also some private sector companies have announced that they will achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. So on the U.S. West Coast, there has also been increasing demand for sustainable aviation fuel. And it really has been as part of the U.S. West Coast government incentive programs to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And Jessica, I know you're going to be talking a little bit about that. But before that, I wanted to just provide a quick definition of SAF. Um, Sustainable aviation fuel is fuel for aviation that's not derived from your conventional crude oil, but rather from sustainable fuels, including used cooking oil, agricultural residue, wood waste, et cetera. This can then be mixed into conventional jet fuel and dropped into an airline the same way a petroleum-based jet fuel is. Right now, we know that SAF is really the only solution for airlines to fly more sustainably, as electrification that we hear about in ground transportation is not really a solution for this sector. There's seven approved pathways for making SAF right now. But the one um, that our pricing is based on and the one that's the most commonly used is Hefasaf. Um, Hefasaf also shares a similar type of waste feedstock um, used to make renewable diesel or HVO. Um, so I think that's important to note. And it also affects some of the incentive programs that we have on the U.S. West Coast for producing sustainable aviation fuel. So now I'll pass over to Jessica to provide a perspective on some of these incentive programs for SAF on the U.S. West Coast. Jessica?
1: Thanks very much, Louise. SAF does carry a strong price premium over conventional aviation fuel, but that premium can narrow with these government incentive programs that Louise mentioned that will help grow supply of the fuel. So in California and Oregon, the low carbon fuel standard programs don't regulate aviation fuel but they allowed sustainable aviation fuel to be a credit generator in the programs beginning last year. So now staff, just like renewable diesel, ethanol, biodiesel, and other renewable fuels can generate credits in these programs. This is really important because that California LCFS credit value has gained strength in recent years. And even with COVID-19 and the subsequent drop in fuel demand, the credit value has been resilient. In California, the credit price has been hovering around $200 per ton in recent weeks. um, And this is another market that Argus assesses. So for renewable fuel producers, the California and Oregon markets are attractive because you can layer RENs on top of the LCFS for these credit generating fuels. One factor though that has limited SAF growth to date is the fact that it's often co-produced with renewable diesel since this forces companies to choose between the fuels. The economics have largely favored renewable diesel. The CI targets for diesel and jet don't hit the same level in the California LCFS until 2023.
0: That's really interesting, Jessica. And I'm assuming at that point we we should see, you know, an increased incentive again for for SAF once they are the same level. But could you um, elaborate on um, other clean fuel programs in the future? Are there other states looking at it or other regions? No, that's really a
1: great point, because honestly, one factor that will really grow this market is that there are these other clean fuel programs on the horizon. um, And this is something that we're closely tracking here. So at the same time that you have the carbon intensity targets in California's program becoming increasingly stringent and you have Oregon with their clean fuels program um, looking to tighten and extend the targets out to 2035, Um, You also have several other regions looking to replicate these LCFS programs. So all of that will really create greater demand for renewable fuels, including SAF. Um, So one really important one to note is that Canada's forthcoming clean fuel standard could really lead to a significant increase in biofuel blending over the next decade. Um, This program is poised to be really wide in scope, and SAF is set to be a credit generator. So we're currently awaiting the proposed regulations from their environment ministry, which are due out by the end of this year. So it's, it's close um, and we'll have more concrete information then. But the latest from Environment and Climate Change Canada is that the program goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 30 million tons per year by 2030. And at the same time, you have clean fuel programs that are also proposed in Washington state and New York state. Um, that will grow the market for renewable fuels if these come to fruition. The recent election in Washington state and the current political makeup um, that it led to there has slightly increased chances for the bill's passage, um, with more legislators elected that support a clean fuel standard there. Uh, There are also several stakeholders in both Washington state and New York state, um, including environmental groups and biofuel producers, that are all just working really hard to get these programs passed. Uh, So I know proponents were originally trying to get a New York bill passed this year, uh, but COVID derailed that. So now the focus is on the spring session in 2021. And you have almost on a monthly basis, other states and regions, even outside of these, announcing that they're also exploring clean fuels programs. Nevada was the latest in a string of states to say this, but we also have Pennsylvania, the Midwest region, um, including Illinois there, and Colorado all looking at LCFS type programs. And what's important to bear in mind is that the California LCFS has just really caused an explosion of growth in renewable fuel use for transportation. Um, And that has grown the markets for biodiesel, renewable diesel, renewable natural gas, um, and others. And so to have staff as an eligible credit generator is really quite critical. Um, The volumes have been small to date, but the potential for greater growth is there. And corporate ESG goals and global programs to cut aviation emissions, um, other clean fuel programs on the horizon, um, airlines working with airports together on this. Um, This all really combines to to help grow the SAF market. So I I know I've covered some of the regulation side, but another really large component of SAF is the renewable feedstock side. Um, And this is a space that Argus has recently entered. Um, So my colleague Xander uh, will now touch on that.
2: Thanks for the background, Jessica. Building on the the federal and state incentives for these programs, it's kind of driving on and spurring on substantial expansions for both the renewable diesel and the SAF production side. Um, A lot of this stuff will come online in the next uh, year to three years out. So economics for SAF are going to increasingly be driven by uh, renewable feedstocks or the inputs used to produce these fuels. This September, Argus launched a suite of 30 renewable feedstocks uh, to ensure that our clients have pricing information as well as market analysis and news that it needed to navigate the competitive arena for uh, the renewable fuel space in coming years. Uh, this serves as a complement to our already comprehensive coverage on the environmental and federal credits LCFS, RINs, BTC, etc., which incentivize the production and consumption of fuels such as SAF and renewable diesel. Uh, We have 30 assessments that range across seven product types uh, from waste oils to fats and greases that will prove as uh, an invaluable tool for stakeholders in both the SAF production and renewable diesel production industries uh, as well as aviation.
0: Can I jump in, Xander, because I think that's really interesting. Um, We know that the feedstocks that we launched are really key um as um base of uh, feedstocks for various plants that are producing SAF. Um, can you just give us a you know a two minute overview of what's going on in the market and how these feedstocks relate to each other?
2: Yeah sure. At the at the moment in general feedstock markets are are really tightening up in Q4 here. Um, in general we see markets that used to make movements in in about a month, they'll bank that in in a day. And it'll consistently gain that much over the course of two weeks. So these markets are definitely reacting to some unprecedented tightness. On the west coast, uh, for staff specifically, um, the main pathway that's, that's used is, uh, for tallow and technical tallow. And we've seen just, uh, recently Chicago tallow, which is a key, uh, market center for tallow trade as high as 36 and a quarter. Which is a very strong number to indicate how tight these markets are. On top of that, you, you have a variety of multi-feed plants which can run both UCO waste oils like Yuco, uh, yellow grease, and other vegetable oils to, to produce this fuel. This, the same tightness is running through all, all these product classifications. For instance, soybean oil out at California will run a premium of seven and a half cents over the CBOT screen. Also, UCO is trading as, as high as 39.5 at the West Coast, so a lot of strength. And this is also not just uh, confined to the United States, but this is across the globe. We're seeing extremely strong markets in Argentina, Brazil. A lot of this is driven by um, strong demand from Asia, India, South Korea.
0: Well, you know what? It sounds like we have enough material for another podcast because it sounds like there's a lot of important relationships between some of the feedstocks. Um, and it and I think that's what, I think what, as we talk about markets, the ability to have price discovery um, for this market and its relationship to either additional feeds or competing um, products, as we know, HVO or renewable diesel is something that also competes with SAF. Jessica, you mentioned that in terms of the incentive programs. And so, you know, just to conclude, the philosophy Behind our global market assessments was really to provide, um, an index to shed some light on this market. And we feel that with more and more environmental regulations coming up, there's going to be increasing need for really a sound market based index that looks at all the factors we've just talked about to provide price transparency to this industry. So, you know, thanks, Jessica and thanks, Xander, for your insights and Thank you all for listening to this podcast episode and for more information on Argus jet fuel coverage, please visit www.argusmedia.com forward slash jet.